Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jordan Pine. Welcome to your 20-Minute Bible Study. I'm Andy Baylog. Let's get started. Today we're going to be studying a foundational passage for the doctrine of assurance. That is, the doctrine that teaches, once saved, always saved. Yeah, it's going to be a great episode, Andy. Join us now as you listen to the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah, during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. 1 Peter 3, 18-20 Let's use the space method here. The speaker, as we know, is Peter. He was one of the 12 disciples. 1 Peter 1.1 reads, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's how the letter starts. And Peter was the apostle of apostles, as we know, and many lists of apostles put him first, for instance, and the Catholics themselves considered him to be the first bishop of Rome or the Pope, possibly. Also, Peter and his brother Andrew were the first disciples chosen by Jesus. Also, he was with Jesus during events which were witnessed by only a few apostles, such as the transfiguration, as mentioned in Matthew chapter 17. He was the one who confessed Jesus as the Messiah, but he also happened to be the one who denied Jesus three times. After Pentecost in the book of Acts, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to become the leading gospel preacher, and then he preached his first sermon on the day of Pentecost. And then also, He defended the gospel before the Sanhedrin with John in Acts chapter 4. As for the audience, it's the churches in several Roman provinces. 1 Peter 1.1 again, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These are different churches that were throughout that uh, greater area of Asia Minor. The reason there's so many churches mentioned, and just in general, a note about these uh, epistles or letters is that they were encyclicals, meaning that they were circulated among many different churches. So even if it's addressed to one particular church, it would have been distributed throughout different churches in that area. Um, The order of this list, for example, may indicate that that was the route the messenger took as he traveled and delivered a letter to various churches. So starting in Pontus, the Galatia, etc. and so forth. The main point here is that these were saved people who were more mature in their faith because they came from established churches. Right. So moving on, the context is a time of increasing persecution under the then Emperor Nero. And it was said about Nero that he fiddled while Rome burned, 
It is also believed that he set the fires and then ended up blaming the Christians for them. Regardless, many Christians were martyred during this time, and Peter himself would die as a martyr about two years after he wrote this letter. It was also said that he watched his wife get martyred for the faith and that he himself was possibly crucified upside down after he said that he was not worthy to die as Christ had died. And as for the Bible context, there's a lot of material in the first two chapters and verses before our reading. So let's quickly go through and highlight some of the key points Peter makes. Okay, so looking at chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, Peter says Christians have been born again to a living hope. He uses those words through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance, again, key phrase, inheritance, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, that's reserved in heaven for you. Verse 5, he adds, they are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Since the Messiah had already been revealed, this cannot be about the gift of salvation, and as we will see in the upcoming verses, is actually something beyond salvation that we're going to learn about, and this is what Peter's focus was moving on. You know, and the the language here, you know, particularly the words more precious than gold, which is perishable and tested by fire, those, those are key words that um, connect with the Apostle Paul's master builder analogy from 1 Corinthians 3. Um, I'd, I'd like you to pay attention to how the language is similar. 1 Corinthians 3.10, According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Yeah, Jordan, so this testing, or what we have called qualification, is also known as the salvation of the soul. And we do see that phrase in the first chapter of this letter. If you go to verses 8 and 9, it reads, Though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So we see here that Peter goes on to say that this advanced knowledge of the kingdom is what the prophets diligently saw, and it's something into which even the angels long to look into. And then he advises these Christians to remain sober in spirit, obedient as children, holy in all behavior, fervent in love, and to be fearful of failing to do these things during their time on earth, because the Father is, quote, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, each Christian's work. Yeah, so that's the summary of chapter 1 leading up to our scripture reading. Chapter 2 of 1 Peter talks about the opposite of these good works and its antidote. The Apostle Peter mentions malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, and the solution, he tells them, is to act like, quote, newborn babies and, quote, long for the pure milk of the word so that they can grow spiritually. And this, of course, in the past we've talked about milk versus meat. And Andy, maybe you could uh, specify here because, you know, we've said before that milk is the basic message of salvation. Meat is the message of the kingdom. What's pure milk? That's a great question, Jordan, and I'm very happy, actually, that you brought that up. 
So yes, for for any of our new listeners who might not know the difference, there is a distinct difference between the milk and the meat. Any doctrine, any scripture, speaking about milk doctrine, for instance, or the words milk in scripture, is specifically directing the reader to the first coming of Christ, which represents our initial salvation, which is past tense. It's the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and it represents our spiritual salvation, which is once and done. And that's something that is written in the heavens. It was predestined from the foundation of the earth, and all Christians are supposed to know that. And then, of course, meat represents the second coming of Christ. It's teachings and doctrines about what will happen to Christians based on our works, how we live, how we think, you know, what is um, the second part of our spiritual salvation, which we hope leads to the salvation of the soul. Now, pure milk, pure milk is, is talking about true doctrine, the initial preaching and teaching of the gospel of grace. And pure milk is the undefiled version of that gospel. For instance, if if there happens to be a, you know certain denominations or certain people that believe that their salvation of the spirit can be lost or forfeited, that is not pure milk. Pure milk here, which is a good thing, it's critical, it's foundational in order to go to the meat, is is basically you know Peter trying to let us know that look, make sure that if you're going to study the initial teachings about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, that you understand and believe 100% that that salvation cannot be lost. And if we're looking again, looking at today's day and age, it's, you know, possibly Calvinism versus Arminianism in doctrine, but you can never mature to the meat doctrines if you don't stand on the Calvinistic. Now, both sides make great points, but if you don't know the kingdom truths, of course, you're going to have to pick a side. What we're trying to do here in our, in, you know, in this ministry is show you that yes, initial salvation the proper stance is the pure milk stance is that understanding that our spiritual salvation cannot be forfeited or cannot be lost. Yeah. It's important to make these distinctions because, you know, milk and meat comes from Hebrews and some of the passages like in Corinthians, for example, it's a rebuke, like telling them that they should be on the meat by now. They should be spiritually mature and chewing on steak. But you know, the apostle Paul has to go back and give them milk like for babies because they don't fully understand or they're forgetting the core doctrine. But right. here, you know, pure milk is, is a different sort of connotation. It just means like drink of the, un, as you said, the unfiltered, uncorrupted doctrine. Right, the correct doctrine. Right. Um, so then, and there's there's a lot of these um, types or symbols, uh, as you will, uh, as we go through chapter two here in, in the context of our reading today. For example, later in this passage, the apostle Peter calls believers living stones and reminds them that Jesus was the cornerstone, the stone which the builders rejected, a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. And again, we could do a whole, we have done whole lessons on stones and rocks, but one thing I just wanted to pull out from that summary is that he does not call himself, that is, Peter does not call himself a rock or a stone. And this sort of addresses a debate about Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus says to Peter, you know, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, there's a lot of uh, confusion about that, some doctrinal missteps there, people believing that he was calling Peter the rock, and that makes him the first you know, bishop or pope. But this passage doesn't really support any of that claim because Peter clearly refers to and confesses Jesus as the rock. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to look at the, the actual name Peter that Jesus gave him, it actually means stone or pebble. Right. So, you know, in comparison, what he was trying to say is like, yeah, you're part of the rock, but you know, you're not the rock in context. Jesus was the rock in context. 
Yeah, and, and so so here, chapter two. Just remember that First Peter chapter two. If you ever want to know what Peter actually thought about this Matthew sixteen eighteen controversy, you can just go and read his own words. He didn't say, "Hey, I'm the rock, guys," and Jesus was also a rock. No, right. he's he's clearly you know calls Jesus the rock and talks about them as living stones. Moving on, Peter tells them in this chapter two again to live as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and urges them to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, Jordan, he also tells them to submit to all authority and human institutions, even in those harsh times. And he writes in verse 20, and he says, If when you do what is right, suffer for it and patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So then he reminds them that Christ was our example. Although he committed no sin, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth, speaking of Jesus, and though they reviled him and eventually crucified him, he kept entrusting himself to him, God the Father, who judges righteously and bore the penalty of our sins. And that brings us to chapter 3. Chapter 3 is really about godly living. In the last chapter, slaves were encouraged to submit to their master, even if their treatment was unjust. In this chapter, Peter encourages wives to submit to husbands, even if their husbands are disobedient to the word. We see this uh, ongoing contrast at the end of 2 and beginning of 3. You know, submission to earthly authorities, even if they're unjust, even if they're disobedient, you know, because we have a higher authority. And of course, he does advise husbands to honor their wives, and um, he advises everyone in the church, really, to be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing to everyone instead. And this raises the question of why. Well, you know, Jordan, at the end of verse 9, it's interesting. It says, you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. And that's the reason why. That's why in layman's terms, we look like idiots for Christ. You know, we, we have to be willing to, you know, to be put down, to be, you know, uh, demeaned, to, to look like, you know, you know, Christians must, must be crazy. I mean, the world says that, you know, you need to, you know, don't tread on me, but if you do tread on me, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, isn't that right. the way it should be? Right. But, you know, Jesus brought a different gospel at his coming. That's right. And it's all about turning the other cheek. It's all about setting an example and being more Christ-like. And if we study the life of Jesus Christ, this, you know, based on what Peter is pointing out here, you know, having harmony with each other, um, being kind-hearted, being humble in your spirit. And one of my favorites is not returning evil for evil or mm -hmm. don't return insult for insult. I mean, that's, that's something special that I think even a lot of Christians today overlook and don't, you know, apply that to their life. Yeah, and you see that in verse 14, he says, um, chapter 3, verse 14, he says, even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you're blessed, right? That's the whole purpose of being able to not return, you know, a slap for a slap and, and an insult for an insult is because if you suffer for the sake of righteousness again, not for, you know, self-righteousness, but godly righteousness, then you'll be blessed. And he says, don't fear, the, don't fear intimidation and don't be troubled. But rather, verse 15, always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Yeah, and in, in verse 17, the verse right before our scripture reads, For it is better if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong. And I think that verse honestly speaks for itself. So now that we know the speaker, the audience, and the context of our scripture, we're ready to attempt an explanation. So let's hear it again. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, 
so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. This, as we know, is assurance from the Apostle Peter, and we also have it from the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 3.11, 14-15. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man's work which he has built on it, that foundation remains, he will receive a reward. And if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But here's the key. He himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And one more, 2 Timothy 2.13 reads, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Yeah, we also have it from Jesus Christ himself. John 10.27-30 says, that Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Yeah, Jordan, actually, those are one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and they probably are critical to supporting the Calvinistic or the pure milk stance on salvation. Yeah, those verses really do capture the doctrine of assurance in a nutshell. And we hope that you've taken notes today. If not, feel free to go on our website and listen to this episode again and take down these key verses that establish and support the doctrine of assurance because it's so important for Christians to have that knowledge that once saved, always saved. Amen. Now, going back to 1 Peter 3, let's talk about that phrase in the second half of verse 18, put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. This leads us to a deeper truth that's found in verse 19, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. Now, the first time you read this, or maybe multiple times when you read it, as I have, you think to yourself, what on earth does this mean? Was Jesus just a spirit when this happened? And the answer is yes. If you recall, um, you know, there was a period of time between his death and burial and his resurrection. And during that time, according to the Apostle Peter and other portions of the Bible, he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison and continuing on, it says, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. So the key part there of verse 20 and putting it, sort of pasting it all together is that he went and made proclamation to to spirits who were in prison, it says, um, from the time of Noah. So what is what is that all about? It's a much deeper uh, study and and there's much deeper truths here and you, you have to get into some theorizing about what happened during that time when Jesus Christ um, you know descended, the Bible says, um, into into Sheol essentially. But um, there was a period of time when he wasn't in his glorified body yet. Uh, as a matter of fact, he tells Mary and the Gospels not to touch him because he wasn't yet in his glorified body yet. Uh, And during that time, if we piece things together, Jesus Christ actually went down into into the center of the earth. And then we also see at that time, the good people, the people on the the positive side, um, were in Abraham's bosom, if you will, were were released and they appeared to certain people on earth. And then again, piecing together scripture, went up to the third heaven. It's leading captivity captive. So, Again, I, we're just touching on that, but it, it does get into a, a bunch of interesting little um, answering of questions from that from that time period in between um, Christ's death and burial and his resurrection and glorification. You know, studying those scriptures going as far back as the, the four Gospels, 
we know that Jesus Christ's body actually left the tomb. So in a supernatural way, definitely his soul went down into the earth, Abraham's bosom. And he spoke to, you know, these people, these Old Testament saints, giving them the gospel of grace and saying, okay, you've been waiting for the Messiah. Here I am. I'm the one. If you have faith, believe in me, follow me, and I'll take you to paradise, which will not only be here on the earth, but will be taken out and brought to the third heaven. Okay, Jordan. So in summary, what I'd like to do is wrap up with our original topic, which was once saved, always saved. And we just want to let our listeners know that this is always true if the spiritual context is salvation of the spirit. Now, we all know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but through Jesus Christ. It says in Acts 4.12, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And remember, God is not a man that he should lie. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said it is finished when he was on the cross. And if God loved you once, he loved you forever. So Jesus died one time for all sin. We all agree with that. And that's scriptural in Hebrews. And if God saved you once, he saved you forever. We cannot lose our spiritual salvation, but we can give up our inheritance. There is a difference. And we will study this in future episodes. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click donate. And finally, 20 Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thank you so much for your 20 minutes. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. All rates reserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.